0: It's good to see more and more people coming in and uh, courageous. Maybe you've had COVID, maybe you've been vaccinated, whatever, but we are glad to see everybody coming back in so that we can actually be together face to face. Cam and Lois came in this morning with a mask on. They said, Do you recognize us? <laughs> I said, I recognize you even with the mask on. That's fine. So just good to see them back and all of you who are coming back in. And uh, soon, I believe that we will all be together. We had a great Sunday last Sunday, a great Easter breakfast and great celebration of Easter. We had three people that prayed to receive Christ last Sunday. So let's give God a clap offering for that. Yes. 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 That's what it's all about, is uh, is bringing people into into the presence of Jesus Christ and them actually coming to faith. It was a cartoon picture in a major magazine, and the caption read, The Light Church, The Light Church, and under the church name were these words. 24% fewer commitments, home of the 5% tithe, 15-minute sermons, 30-minute worship services. We have only eight commandments, your choice, everything you've always wanted in a church and less, the light church. It probably only served decaf coffee and low-carb desserts, too. I don't know. That could be. You know, some people choose to live out their faith this way. Like the light church. It's the light faith or or low commitments. No demands. Become a Christian and ease on down the road. Take it easy. Someday you'll enter the heavenly rest. Well, we're studying the book of James. Practical faith. Not not easy faith, practical faith. And it always is very interesting how relevant the Bible remains today. And James addresses a topic to this first, his first century readers. And it's just as real, just as relevant to today as it was back then. The last five weeks we started um, the book of James. The first four messages were arrested development. Am I the victim here? We looked at the fakers in the last message before Easter was playing favorites. And all of these messages give us guidelines on how to live out our faith, how to live it out. Now, today, James contrasts two types of faith, two types of faith. One is dead faith, and one is living faith, dead faith and living faith. And by the end of today, I hope we can all answer the question, which describes your faith? Dead faith or living faith. Today it's Proof of Life. Proof of Life is the title. And I'd like us to turn to James, the second chapter, James 2. And we're going to read 14 to 26. Uh, James 2, 14 to 26. It's on page 978 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Or you can choose to follow along on the PowerPoint. James 2, starting at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Is dead. Let's start by looking at dead faith. Dead faith. What is it? What is it? First of all, it's no action. Number one, no action. There's no deeds. Verse 14 says, A man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Verse 17, faith not accompanied by action is dead. Do we hear any claims today that are not true? And he claims that are not true. When our, our daughter Brittany was about four years old, she saw a toy advertised on TV. And she really wanted that toy. She thought it was going to be great fun to play with. So for Christmas that year, we bought her that toy. The only problem the toy did not perform as advertised. In despair and frustration, Brittany declared, The TV lied. The TV lied. Well, I've got news for you. The TV always lies. Always lies. And that was before CNN and MSNBC. That's okay. We don't go there. Our kids used to wonder when the cereal box cover shows strawberries in the picture. And there are no strawberries in the box. The picture lied. Did you ever, does that bother you? ever yeah lies claims that are not true that is like faith with no action or that's like belief with no deeds and james calls it dead faith there's no action what is this faith like secondly it's only intellectual it's only intellectual verse 19 says you believe there is one god good even the demons believe that and shudder if our faith it's only in our mind and not in our actions. It's incomplete, it's empty, it's worthless. James says demons believe in God. They're afraid of him. But that belief and, and fear does not translate into any good actions. They're anti-God, they're anti-Christ. I talk to a lot of people, and just about everyone tells me they believe in God. By that they mean they have an intellectual knowledge of an intelligent designer Maybe they believe in a one true God or a benevolent father of some sort. They, they know doctrines or truth about God. But bottom line is that that belief makes absolutely no difference in their lives. That, that's belief without true faith. One writer said that this way. And he's talking about our country. He said, never has Christianity made such inroads into a society And made such little difference. Never has Christianity made such inroads into a society. It made so little difference. Description of our country today. Dead faith. What is it? Secondly, how is it demonstrated? How is it demonstrated? Verse 15 to 16, he gives an illustration. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? James illustrates this by a brother or sister, a fellow believer, someone who's part of the church family. And James uses this real-life situation. And these are people who lack adequate clothing. Maybe they're in rags. Maybe they don't have adequate food. They're going hungry. These are people who lack daily sustenance. They lack the essentials the, or the necessities of life. And dead faith says, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but doesn't do anything about the physical needs. It's like someone seeing someone in our church family in desperate straits and says, I'll be praying for you. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. Stay in touch. Hope things work out. Good luck. Warm words, cold deeds. Now, we tend to think primarily of physical needs. And that's what this context is. But this this applies to all kinds of needs. In Eau Claire today, typical of most cities in America, most people, not all, but most people have their clothing, food, and shelter needs met. There are a lot of agencies, a lot of places where they can get those met. But there are other needs, needs below the surface, needs that are less visible, that are unmet. Someone to talk with. Someone seeking counsel. Guidance. Somebody to actually sit down and pray with them. Maybe it's friendship. What are the needs of those around us? Usually we're hesitant to let anybody see our needs, but what are the needs around us? How about those who are not part of our church family? James's illustration is about inside the church, but its application of faith without deeds applies to our neighbors, our co-workers, students, teachers, anybody you know out there. What needs do people have that we can fill? That you can fill? And of course, most important is their need for a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And somebody saw that need, and three different people invited somebody that came last week, and they found Jesus last Sunday. Do we care? That The question is always, do we care? We get so busy. Do we care? One of, one of my prayers for this church body is that we would see people as Jesus sees them. That we would see people as Jesus sees them. We have, you ask people, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. You know, you just, this, this whole, the answer is great. We're doing fine, whatever. And if they say they're not, you don't want to talk to them. Because, oh, no, they're going to complain, whatever. We have this, we put this facade up of, we have everything together because we feel like if we have needs or there's something that there's something wrong with us, we all have needs. People are hurting out there. And the question is, do we do we care? Do we want to take the time? Do will we take the time? There was a preacher in England, came across a friend whose horse had been accidentally killed, and this was back in the eighteen hundreds. A lot of things were dependent on the horse. And all the onlookers in the crowd expressed sympathy. They all felt bad. They were all sorry. And the preacher stepped forward and said, this is in England. He said, I'm sorry five pounds. How sorry are you? Then he passed the hat to see how sorry people were. Are we going to tangibly do something? See, profession without action is not real. Profession without action is not real. So what are the results of dead faith? What are the results of dead faith? First of all, it's useless. The, this word means barren, ineffective, or unproductive. Barren, ineffective, or unproductive. Jesus, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 16 to 21, in the New Living Translation, said these words. He said, You can detect them by the way they act, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, Jesus said, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. Dead faith produces no fruit. It's useless. Secondly, dead faith also cannot save. Cannot save. Verse 14 says, Can such a faith save him? Now, that's a rhetorical question. That's a rhetorical. Can such a f- a faith save him? Now, when we ask a rhetorical question in English, I, you know, I used to. I had a guy in my congregation that I'd ask a rhetorical question while I was preaching, and he'd always answer it. I said, "Don't do that." So it it drove me crazy. He he got a kick out of that. But anyway, don't yeah, don't get in that habit. Some of you are probably pro. Now I'm going to anyway. Okay, rhetorical question. When we ask a rhetorical question in English. The answer can be yes, or it can be no, right? it can be yes or no. Well, in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, when a rhetorical question is asked, one can tell by the construct whether the expected answer is yes or no. So when you read the question, you know that the answer is going to be yes or no. And this question is constructed. So the expected answer is no. No. Can that faith save him? No, it cannot. Okay? So the answer is right there with that rhetorical question. No one can be saved by works, but no one can be saved without producing works. Let me say that again. No one can be saved by works, but no one can be saved without Producing works. Why? Because works are the proof of the authenticity of our faith. There have to be some results. Now, didn't the Apostle Paul teach us that we're not saved by works? Yep, he did. He did. We're not saved by works. So don't go out and say, okay, Pastor Mark said, I just need to do more things and I'll be saved. No. Paul's teaching on faith and works focuses on our time before conversion. Before conversion. James, James's focus is on after the conversion, the results of conversion. So Paul talks about that before conversion, James, after conversion. He says if faith does not produce something, it's not real faith. It is merely intellectual, and James says it's just useless, therefore not genuine. So the results of dead faith, what are they? Dead by itself dead. Verse 17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And then verse 26, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So this type of faith is compared to a corpse. To a corpse. No spirit, no life. Now it's not easy always to tell when a person has died. But the absence of breathing is pretty conclusive. And that's what he compares this to. James gives a startling picture of dead faith in our churches, people in our churches. They have a name but no life. They're like a corpse. They're dead. Dead faith produces nothing. It's useless. Now, there really is no such thing as a light church or a light faith. Because it's really not faith at all. It's really an imitation church and an imitation faith. It looks good on the outside, but inside it's dead, it's useless, and lifeless. That's James' description of dead faith. Now, contrast that with living faith. Living faith. Living faith. Now, Kierkegaard once told a parable about ducks in duckland. In this one town, all the residents were ducks. And every Sunday, the ducks waddled out of their houses and waddled down Main Street to their church. They would waddle into their sanctuary and squat in their proper pews. They squatted comfortably in place. The duck worship team waddled in and took its place. All the ducks sang their duck songs. And then the duck minister comes forward and opens the duck Bible. And he reads to them, "'Ducks, God has given you wings.'" With wings you can fly. With wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. It was an incredible, inspiring sermon. All the, the ducks quacked their assent and shouted, Amen. And they, then they plopped down from their pews and all waddled home. Sometimes there's a chasm between profession and action, faith and deeds. We can fly, but we waddle. Living faith is not that way, okay? Living faith. Don't worry, we're not going to quack up here. Sorry, I just... What is it? What is living faith? First of all, it has deeds, has deeds. James says in verse 18, I will show you my faith by what I do. Something concrete, something observable. Faith that works in the real places of life. It's real, it's genuine, it's observable, it's visible. It's faith that makes a difference. If it makes no difference, what good is it? Secondly, it's experiential, not theoretical. It's experiential, not theoretical. This kind of faith is experiential. It's not just a theory. It's not just abstract theology or theory. There are a lot of theories out there today a lot of theories. One of them in in the 1920s in Yellowstone Park, wolves seemed to be a problem in the park. So they hunted them to eradication because they wanted to protect the elk and deer populations. And they also thought that Yellowstone Park, if we got rid of the wolves, it would be more friendly to to visitors. And the theory was we remove this predator and Yellowstone Park and and the surrounding areas will thrive. Sounds good, right? Good theory. Well, they were wrong. They were wrong. Without the fear factor of an active predator, the elk and deer overgrazed areas and, and decimated the sapling populations of willows and cottonwoods, and it began to affect the, the, the habitat and the ecosystem of the entire park. The theory was wrong. Experience taught something totally different. And although just another theory, they decided to reintroduce the wolves into Yellowstone Park. And now the elk and deer are on the move because of a predator fear. They don't overgraze, and the entire ecosystem environment is improving and coming back to normal. There's theory, and there's experience. Living faith is experiential, it's not merely theoretical. It's real. It's real. And we know it's real because it works. It produces deeds. It produces deeds. Our Christian faith cannot be merely intellectual or just theoretical. It must be experiential. That's why it's impossible to live the Christian faith apart from community. Now, I didn't say church, okay. Church is a collection of communities. But apart from community, it's impossible to live out our faith. If we try to be a Christian outside a community, outside the church, the body, we live in a theoretical faith that has no way to work its way out. There's no way to work its way out in community. We're like body, body parts strewn all over the Chippewa Valley. disparate body parts. And some people say... I I can be a Christian and not be part of a community. Are you part of the body of Christ or community of faith? Well, theoretically I am. I just don't connect. I'm part of the body. I'm just not connected. Living faith has deeds, and it is experienced, not theoretically, but in the context of working its way out. And how is it demonstrated? Letter B. How is it demonstrated? Verse 21 Says, was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, Abraham was justified, declared righteous before God long before his son Isaac was born. Abraham believed God, and what was the promise he received? He believed God in Genesis 15 5 to 6. Says he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you, you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring being, be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. In James two twenty three it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now this is a huge topic. We don't have time to get into the all of that. But suffice it to say, that, let's look at how it relates to this passage in James. When Abraham believed God, that was his initial justification by faith. By faith, he believed God, and God counted him as righteous. It's like when we believe or place our trust in Jesus Christ. But like Abraham, we had to internalize his belief and live it out We have to as well. Abraham had to internalize his belief, live it out, prove it. So do we. And, of course, God used a test, an unbelievable test to prove that his faith was real. What was it? He said, sacrifice your son on the altar. Kill your son. Now, Abraham had lived in total obedience to God for some 30 years. Then he was ready. Abraham's test sounds weird, even cultish. But Abraham though justified by his belief in God, laid what is most, his most precious possession on the altar. Is said, God, it's yours. He proved his faith. What is your most precious possession? What is your most precious Possession. Laying things down for God doesn't earn us God's favor. We're not in this business to earn God's favor. They're not the cause of our faith, but they are the proof of our faith. It's not the cause of our faith. It's the proof of our faith. It's evidence. Evidence. Tangible evidence of our faith. This is proof that we don't waddle as ducks, but we fly as eagles. See, if Christianity did not demand anything, it would be not worth anything. Verse 22 says, faith and actions working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Made complete by what he did. Verse 25 says, in the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did. She risked all she had to to help the spies of Israel. And the result, it says, the result was she was saved. Faith and deeds are not opposites. Faith and deeds are inseparables. Inseparable. It's not either or, but it's both and. It's both and. And It's interesting. Abraham, the founder of the nation of Israel, one of the greatest men of all times, is contrasted or put in the same category as Rahab the prostitute. The great contrast showing that no matter who we are, where we've come from, what we've done, still faith and deeds are inseparable. Let's look at the results of living faith. In contrast to the uselessness of dead faith, living faith is useful it's life changing we see results we see fruit we see life change second it saves or it justifies or is perfected now there's a controversy here that warrants some discussion this this goes that because because of this particular passage martin luther who who stood against the the catholic church of the day that said that you have to work and you have to pay Um, pay money and you have to buy this and that he stood against that and he said man lives by faith alone we are saved by faith alone Martin Luther didn't like James the book He he wanted it taken out of the canon because of this passage but he was reacting against an overemphasis on works from the Catholic church and realizing that's not what brings salvation salvation is by faith alone And that's why Romans, Paul says in Romans 3.28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. In other words, we're justified by faith entering the right relationship with God apart from works. It's totally by faith. Galatians 2.16, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law no one will be justified is paul contradicting james is james contradicting paul no no paul's focus is faith and works before conversion james's focus is after conversion we are not saved by deeds we are saved for deeds as a result. Does that make sense? Anybody confused? <laughs> it's one of those things. It, it, it looks like it doesn't make sense. It, like two contradictory truths, but both are true. We're not saved by deeds, we're saved for deeds. someone put it this way and you can think about this in terms of a duck or bird all God's people have two wings two wings the first wing is faith alone the second wing is works or faith that works and together they help us fly and soar matthew 5:16 jesus said this in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds And praise your Father in heaven. That's proof of life. That's proof of life. Do you have dead faith? Or do you have living faith? Proof of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us some things to chew on in James. And there are some things that are kind of difficult to understand. But I pray, God, that you'll give us understanding that when we come to you in faith and believe in you, that you justify us. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. Following that, there are works, and it's those works that prove that we've been transformed. And I pray, God, that we would find the balance in all of this and that we would be able to fly on both those wings and that you would make us more and more like Jesus every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Just a couple comments. We need to, because God is God and we're not, sometimes we need to be able to realize that we're not going to understand everything, okay? Sometimes there are open questions that we just say, how can that be, okay? Um, God's love and God's wrath. Go figure. How How do you balance that out? There's some things, and if somebody says they have all the answers... Yeah, tell them, forget it. Go talk to somebody else. None of us, we have to be uh, of, of open to the fact that there are some open questions in our faith, okay? And and we don't understand everything. But we, by faith, we walk forward and move forward and uh, take what we do know. There's plenty we do know, okay? Just so you know that as well. Next Sunday, Sunday morning during the service, baptism. We have two candidates who will be baptized Right here next Sunday morning, say, what's here? There will be a baptistry right there. I promise you, it's a big tank. And uh, we'll be doing baptism next Sunday, too. And it, let me just say this, because the invitation is open. If you have never been baptized, or, or you don't remember your baptism, there are some people that were baptized as infants, but they want to do it as a, as a testimony. We won't get into the theology of all that. But, but you, can, you can get baptized, and and uh, it's a testimony of what Jesus has done, the death, burial, and the resurrection, and his new life. And so uh, if you want to get baptized, um, see Pastor Josh, email him, call him. Um, I'll give you his home number. No. <laughs> any, anytime. But literally, what, one of the things we have that's really slick is that if you want to reach any pastor, you call the church. If we're not at the church, you can leave uh, a, vo- a voicemail on our answering machine and it sends us an email to our email so you can always reach us so it's just an amazing thing so just in case you need to reach us that's there um, that's next sunday um, i also just want to say uh, we have a young man in the congregation who has achieved eagle scout status now those of you that are aware of scout it's an amazing accomplishment and so nicholas you want to Raise your hand. There's Nicholas Johnson. He's doing that. Yes. Awesome. And just so you know, there, there's going to be a, a ceremony recognizing him uh, at one o'clock this afternoon right downstairs. So if you want to uh, come and be part of that, there's a reception following. So there's free food, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but but come and just and if you can't come, just congratulate Nicholas. He, uh, it's an incredible accomplishment to have Reach that and attain that. So, um, just wanted to let you know that. So, um, I'm going to step outside and close in the benediction. There we are. How's everybody doing? <laughs> now, may the love of our God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship power of the Holy Spirit. Be and abide with all who are in Christ Jesus. And everybody honked, amen. Amen. There we go. Awesome. There we go. Good to see you.